0: Oh, holy name. Your name is so holy. Welcome to the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we have a special guest back with us this week. Scott, welcome back.
2: Thank you. It's good to be back. I'm Scott Gunn. I was, for a number of years, a layperson, and now for a little over 10 years, I've been a priest. I work at Forward Movement in Cincinnati and o- Ohio. Thank you for having me.
0: Has it only been 10 years? That doesn't seem like that long. I feel like you've been a priest forever. <laughs> <laughs> like you came out of the womb with a little collar on. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, this podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life as seen through the lens of the collects in the Book of Common Prayer. Now, collect is kind of a funny-sounding word, but it's just another word for prayer, and it's spelled like collect, as in, you might collect baby name books, including Best Baby Names of 2015, 100 of the most popular Pretty Baby Girl Names, Five Star Baby Name Advisor, Baby Names for Dummies, and Sci-Fi Baby Names. 500 out-of-this-world baby names from Anakin to Zardo's.
0: Man, those kids are gonna get beat up on the playground.
1: (laughs) Wow. I I think, actually, my favorite one is Baby Names for Dummies. (laughs) I'm not exactly familiar with the premise of the book, but one assumes that by reading it you become an expert in naming babies.
0: (laughs) And then you could be a baby name expert book. (laughs) I have to admit, my daughter's name did come from a book. Did it really? I mean, Chelsea, the name Chelsea is like not something that I'd never heard before. I was at a bit of an impasse with her dad on names. We couldn't find anything that we both agreed on. So I got a book from the library. We went through it and tabbed names that we each liked and then compared. And Chelsea was the only one that we both agreed on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Now, you both have names that can be spelled lots of different ways. It's true. Yeah. Um, but if it, if it makes you feel any better, more often than you would suspect, I'll give my name for something or other, and somebody will say, Scott, how do you spell that?
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> and do you ever just, like, screw with people? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I'm just always so taken aback by the question. I'm not you know, quick enough to think of, of doing that, but I, I may next time.
0: S K O umlaut. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly
1: as a child I was really sensitive to the mispronunciation of my name growing up in the south uh, Brendan was not a very common name but Brandon was extremely common Mm -hmm. anyway I'm over it now you can call me whatever you want Fair enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I have suffered a lifetime of misspellings. Which one of my hard and fast rules when naming my child was it has to be the common spelling of the name, <laughs> because um, I, I I am quite tired of spelling Holly with an I. <laughs> and speaking of ways that my name has been misspelled, I I have on occasion gotten H O L Y. Um, which is awkward for everyone involved, because I'm not. But guess whose name is
1: Jesus? (laughs) That that was an amazing segue, Holly.
0: (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all
1: week. Well, so today uh, we are talking about the collect for the Feast of the Holy Name, which is uh, on New Year's Day. So let's pray the prayer, shall we?
0: Let's do it. This prayer can be found on page 213 of the Book of Common Prayer. Eternal Father, you gave to your incarnate Son the holy name of Jesus to be the sign of our salvation. Plant in every heart, we pray, the love of him who is the Savior of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen this is not the first time that we have or that the feast of the holy name has come up on the show even though we've never dedicated a show to it It, of all things this particular day came up at our live show at general convention when the official linguist of the collect call was providing us a history of the word obsecration Then we uh, challenged him to translate a sentence using uh, that word.
3: First off, you shouldn't feel chagrined that you didn't know this word.
0: Chagrin! (laughs) (laughs) um,
3: It is rarely used. And in fact, when I was typing out my notes for this in Microsoft Word, Microsoft Word insisted that this is not a word. Um... But if we address the most basic meaning, most dictionaries will tell you that obsecration means earnest pleading or supplication, and that it comes from the Latin obscrare, which means to beseech, to supplicate, or in the first person, obsecro. (laughs) (laughs) I beseech. (laughs) And it comes from the stem, sacre, which means sacred. I am sure I mispronounced all of that Latin. Um, Obsecration in an Anglican context is a supplication or petition mentioning in its appeal things or event that we hold to be sacred and typically that we're asking for deliverance. So the obsecrations are in your Book of Common Prayer, page 149. You may turn to that page now. Um, and they are the I, petitions. Actually,
1: I, I, hang on, I just need to point out that our audience is in fact doing that. Yeah, i doing that. Yes. Forget the audience. I'm doing this test. What was that,
2: Sean? I said, forget
0: the audience. I'm doing it right now. What <laughs> All of our phones are holding up other devices. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> we do have one paper one here.
3: So if you turn to page one forty nine, they are the petitions. Um, that are at the bottom, towards the bottom of the page, and they primarily begin with the preposition, by. For example, by thine agony and bloody sweat, by thy cross and passion, by thy death and burial, by thy glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Ghost.
1: Good Lord, Lord deliver us. us.
3: So, we hold sacred Christ's agony, Christ's bloody sweat, etc., and through appeal to that, we ask to be delivered. These are, of course, part of the Great Litany, so I think we're probably familiar with them, even if we haven't paid close attention to them. And their purpose, according to W.H. Carslake in his 1876 text, The Litany of the English Church... Thank you, Google, for digitizing this and making it available online. Um, Their purpose is to bring our minds more vividly to the infinite love of the Savior, that love on which we appeal for help, and also to emphasize the relation of Christ's redemptive work to corresponding elements of our life. And something that I hadn't thought about, but which makes perfect sense, is that our current, current litany was naturally influenced by many previous litanies. And Karslake notes that, quote, The wisdom of our reformers was shown in rewriting of the obsecrations, as elsewhere, was shown in curtailing all which was in excess. So if we use the previous example, just the part, by thine agony and bloody sweat, in the 1544 litany from the consultation of Ehrman, was, For that agony in which thou offeredest thee willfully to death, obeying the Almighty Father, and thy bloody sweat.
1: That's comprehensive. Indeed. (laughs) Not (laughs) worthy.
3: And furthermore, while today we only have approximately a third a page of obsecrations in the Great Litany, in the 544 Litany at Lambeth, there were ten pages of (laughs) obsecrations of various forms. I don't think that we have less to plead for today. I think we just embrace brevity, and I think that Jesus probably appreciates that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Again, was Jesus on the floor of the House of Deputies today? <laughs>
1: uh, clearly not. <laughs>
3: so we thought I turn it back to
1: you. Um, but Actually, thank you so much for doing this research, but I do have a question. Uh-oh. Um, so having done this research on the word obsecration, um can you translate this the sentence?
0: sentence?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the obsecrations were essentially the fuller form of Luther's litany, though the circumcision found in the serum litany, but not in Luther's, is included.
3: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, our audience member. Oh oh oh. oh, oh.
0: Come, come <laughs> to the microphone and introduce yourself. <laughs>
3: Dave Hedges, Chicago. <laughs> Hi, Dave. I'm, I'm prepared to make an educated guess that um, amongst all of the holy
1: and sacred events listed in the obsecrations that there was some version of the litany at some point that included Christ's circumcision, which ah. uh, was Ooh. celebrated, is celebrated on... Uh, January 1st 1st. in in what the 79 Book of Common Prayer uh, bowdlerizes as the Feast of the Holy Holy Name. Name. But it used to be called the Feast of the Circumcision, and any good set of uh, hymn board cards includes a tile that says Circumcision. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, for one thing, let's
2: just say that the that and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but the original, the older celebration of this feast was easier to depict in stained glass windows. There's a magnificent stained glass window. I think it's at the Cloisters in New York that is very graphic, depicting uh, Jesus in the temple um, ha- having the deed performed, and it's it it it, it makes me. Um, <laughs> Tends up just to think about it. It's it's quite a graphic window, and I and I don't think that effect could be achieved by depicting the feast of the holy name.
1: Uh, no, probably not. Like uh, you know, Joseph and Mary sitting around with a baby name book is, for is <laughs> baby names for dummies.
0: <laughs> baby names for refugees.
2: Yeah
0: <laughs> So your kid was in a barn. <laughs>
1: Actually, Marion Hatchett notes about this prayer and the the history of uh, the Feast of the Holy Name. He says, Renowned English scholar F.E. Brightman commented that they had altered the proportion of things and in fact had turned the day into a commemoration of circumcision rather than of the circumcision of our Lord, not to edification. And he was here critiquing both the collect uh, for that day Uh, as well as the selection of a section of Romans wherein Paul is going on at length about circumcision. The uh, previous version of this collect uh, is quite heavy on circumcision imagery, so I kind of get the objection.
2: Uh, No, Absolutely. Uh, Aside from the loss of visual imagery possibilities, I think this is a good change in emphasis. In, in
1: any event, I, and so we're, we're still commemorating essentially the same event here because the uh, the circumcision uh, was the time at which the name um, or identity uh, is conferred. Uh, so uh, that is what we're observing uh, on this New Year's Day, um, eight days after Jesus' birth.
2: I just think it's um, it's a just a really, I think, captivating idea to think about Jesus, not just Jesus himself, And not just the incarnation containing holiness, but that Jesus' name itself is holy. I think that's a really captivating idea.
0: What did we talk about? Was it this before, Brendan, where we talked about? Oh, it was the cross. It was the holy cross. And my discomfort with the idea of the cross itself being holy as if it were a gun. Yeah. And you, you talked me out of that, sort of.
1: Yeah, I'll have to go back to the episode to remember how I did that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it is kind of a strange thing that we're commemorating uh, the name itself. Yeah. And I suppose implicitly the event, but but the feast is of the name, not of the
2: naming. Uh, a friend of mine who's a pastor in another tradition used to end her prayers frequently, whereas an Episcopalian will often end prayers you know, through Jesus Christ our Lord. She would often end them. Uh, We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. I've heard
0: that phrasing before.
2: I think it's an intriguing and powerful idea. I'm not sure intellectually kind of what to make of it, but it's really, it's the kind of thing that I just want to stew on and think about for a long time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I think if you look at other examples of where um, names come up in the Bible, uh, we've talked about it on a previous show. Uh, that often the name is, in some sense, a self-revelation. So uh, when Joseph is um, wrestling with... No, is it Joseph? Jacob. Jacob, thank you, uh, is wrestling with the angel. He demands to know the angel's name.
2: Yeah, and by the way, in that same... uh, In that incident, Jacob is known in in some of the strains of Scripture after that as Israel. Jacob receives a new name and... And, and, of course, there's Abraham and Saul and all the, and S- Sarai, all those people who get new names. And John the Baptist is—Elizabeth and Zechariah are divinely ordered to call him John. And Mary and Joseph are divinely ordered to call Jesus, Jesus. So it's, names are certainly powerful in Scripture.
0: Yeah, and in the, the gospel reading for today's—for the feast, the name was given to him—Jesus' name was given to him— by the angel before he was conceived, which is like this super fascinating concept to me. I may be mistaken on this, but that's not something that we hear about. That's not something that he says, the angel says to Mary, right?
2: Uh, that's in... Let me go find it. Uh, that's Luke, right? I think that actually happens in Matthew, but let me... Yeah, it's in Matthew. It's Matthew in the first chapter of Matthew, um, mm. which, by the way, in the outrageous Revised Common Lectionary, we don't hear this on Christmas ever, which, let me just say uh. it again, is outrageous. But in, <laughs> in Matthew 1.21, the angel is speaking to Joseph, and, he's, and the angel says, She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins.
0: Mm,
3: mm -hmm. Uh, And then it
2: continues, of course, in the next verse, which is the more well-known stuff from uh, Messiah and all that. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us.
0: But they didn't, unless that's (laughs) his middle name.
2: Well, they sort of did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm pulling this from uh, Stars in a Dark World by uh, Father John Julian. Uh, and he notes that uh, the name Jesus is a Greek translation of the Hebrew Yeshua, uh, which in turn is a shortened version of the uh, name Yehoshua, which means he whose salvation is Yahweh or Yahweh is salvation. This is actually the uh, same name. This this name in Hebrew would be Joshua. Right. <laughs> so, So, yeah, they kind of got there.
0: All right. All right.
2: But it's a cool thing that in both that in both the case of John and Jesus, um, Gabriel, I guess, was the one reading baby names for dummies. And <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> so your kid's a prophet,
2: and and picking the names, and and apparently got bored at the letter J and just stopped there.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, actually, uh, so Stars in a Dark World actually has a lot that's interesting to say um, about the name of Jesus and, and the history of devotion to the name. So there's this idea that there is inherent power in Jesus' name for uh, both physical and spiritual healing, and also noting contemporary use of the name of Jesus in meditative practice. Right. But I have to tell you the best part uh, of of this chapter uh, about holy name, which has to do with an itinerant preacher, Saint uh, Bernardino of Siena, uh, who died in uh, 1444. He would wander around preaching with a post, um, or a pole rather, on which was mounted a tablet in the shape of a sunburst with the name of Jesus on it. And he became so identified with this pole uh, that the Inquisition actually charged him with encouraging idolatry because they accused him uh, that he, they were getting people to worship the Pole, not, uh, not God. Uh, he was acquitted, and following his trial, uh, he became yet more famous. And then there is this apocryphal story about him. Uh, that There was a maker of playing cards who complained that St. Bernardino's preaching was ruining his business and Bernardino himself advised him to print cards that depicted the sacred monogram of Christ, which then sold in massive quantities, and the man made a fortune. <laughs> Ow.
2: Cashing yeah. in on Jesus. Right? <laughs> if only I knew it was that easy, I'd quit my job.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Speaking of the, 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 the power of Jesus' name, there's an old prayer from the Serum Missal about the name of jesus and if if i may o god who hast made the most glorious name of our lord jesus christ thine only begotten son to be exceeding sweet and supremely lovable to thy faithful servants and tremendous and terrible to malignant spirits mercifully grant that all who devoutly venerate the name of jesus on earth may in this life receive the sweetness of holy comfort and in the life to come attain the joy of exulting gladness and never-ending jubilation through the same Jesus Christ our lord but it's that sense that Jesus name is powerful because it's good for people who follow him and really bad news for demons and such like
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I love that supremely lovable phrase.
0: Mhm. Well, so let's talk about the collect a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: In the attribution, we're basically talking about what we've been talking about, that, that God gave Jesus his name. But then there's this interesting phrase, to be the sign of our salvation. I, I don't think that's modifying the name, but maybe it is.
1: Uh, no, I, th- I think it goes back to uh, the meaning of the name. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the name itself is supposed to be indicative. of This whole idea that He whose salvation uh, is God, or Emmanuel, God with us.
2: I think that's. I think that's exactly right. It's it, that the name itself does, if we understand the fullness of its meaning, that uh, mm-hmm. God with us uh, is the sign mm-hmm. of our salvation.
0: And then we have this clause-heavy middle section. <laughs> Plant at every heart, we pray, the love of him who is the Savior of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. I don't have a, an issue with that necessarily.
1: No, it, it's pretty basic. The, although I'll say the thing that I'm responding to here, and this isn't something that, that's written in the prayer. It's just you know me reflecting on personal experience. But this idea of planting that love um, in the heart, uh, being tied to Jesus' name is pretty powerful for me uh, because I think about the, the value of, of liturgical prayer and worship in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is that there are these passages from the Book of Common Prayer or from, or from Scripture that, that have become part of me, that they come to mind almost involuntarily. And all of that, for me, is an extension of Jesus' name then the, that is planted in my heart
2: oh that's lovely yeah mm-hmm. yeah I like mm-hmm. the idea of, of God putting that in our hearts and, and then just this, this straight up reminder in this collect on this feast of the holy name that Jesus is the savior of the world just in case we for a moment uh, our minds <laughs> wandered <Yeah. in. laughs> we forgot what was going on here
0: uh, now who's this guy oh right him that one
2: but I think there's, i, I love the um, all the poetry that's in the scripture about things like bending the knee of our hearts, the mm-hmm. eyes of our hearts, and and I like all this this poetic sense of heart and, and plant in every heart. We pray the love of Him. It's it's a kind of a mixed metaphor, but it's it's a it's a it's an extremely lovely one.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it strikes me as a as a good prayer to be praying as well on you know this. Uh, that this day has some competition in secular culture, and that it is New Year's Day, but this this idea that this prayer is focusing us um, on on something very basic um, to our faith—you know, who our Savior is and what His name is—and that our job is to love Him. Starting off a year that way uh, seems like a, a decent idea.
2: This whole discussion reminds me that when um, when I was a uh parish priest, I I tend to be pretty far off the candle, pretty high church liturgically, and it was my habit to always sort of uh, incline my head to to bow at the name of Jesus every time it's mentioned Mm. in the liturgy, or the Holy Trinity, but especially the name of Jesus. And we, um, another priest came, and and she was of the same mindset, so we always did this, and and didn't really think much about it. Partly, I just think it's a, it's a, a really good way to to pray with our whole bodies and to stay mindful and purposeful about the liturgy. And I hadn't really thought about it um, that much. It just part of my habit. And one day this guy who was a pretty new member of our church said, I I never really went to church that much. Um, Some, but but I've noticed that, that you always bow your head every time somebody says Jesus. And it, there's something about that, 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 that not only um, shows, not only does it show that you love Jesus, but it encourages me to love Him too. And I wasn't expecting anyone to ever say that. And I don't know. I think there's something there about Jesus' name, but also when we repeat phrases and it gets planted in our hearts. When we pray with our whole bodies, it gets planted in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That maybe that maybe there's something there that we should actually pay attention to.
1: I I, I fully agree, and I say this coming from a parish where. Bowing your head in the name of Jesus is, is in our customary.
0: Your parish has a customary?
1: It does. Whoa.
2: As well every parish should.
0: <laughs> you guys are so high church. <laughs> yeah, Scott, you know, going back to your story, I um I had been in the Episcopal Church for too long <laughs> before I even realized that some other people were bowing when the word Jesus was said and even longer before I got up the nerve to ask someone um, because as a someone coming from a non-liturgical tradition I had never seen anything like that and it's not something that I do I don't I don't have a beef with it but um, it's just not it doesn't feel normal to me but yeah I mean I was probably in the church for like three years and And someone was with me like, hey, why is everybody bowing when they say Jesus? And I was like, oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Do they always do that?
2: (laughs) So maybe I'm I'm noticing a pattern here. In the last episode, there was conversation about um, Silent Night. And maybe it's the case that it's one or the other. You're either in one camp or the other. Either you love (laughs) kneeling for Silent Night and all the candles, or you bow your head of the name of Jesus, and you can't do both.
1: Okay, so where does this fit in with how you feel about the Passion of the Christ?
2: (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) So going back to the collect, though, I just want to say that I think this is an example of, I think the rhythm of this is delightful. It's easy to read. It's the poetry's lovely. There's a lot to think about in here. This is the kind of collect that I think uh, makes me proud to be an Anglican and this one's going to wear well. I, this is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, I agree too. And and I like that it's it's accessible. There's not yes. anything other than incarnate. There's not any word that is is even unusual. Uh, but but it's ex- it's accessibly challenging. <laughs>
2: It's challenging not because it's hard to understand, but challenging because it actually makes us want to think about our lives.
0: Right. Right. Anything else on on the collect or should we move on to the Twitter challenge?
2: I'm ready for the Twitter challenge. I'm ready. When
0: you say are okay. you really ready? Yeah. Crap. Okay, hold on. Give me a <laughs> second.
2: So, Brendan, while she's working, what what mm-hmm. what what made you what gave you the idea to start this uh show 109 episodes ago? <laughs>
1: Well, I had just started listening to Easter People. That finally like gave me the idea that I could actually do this because I'd been listening to a bunch of other shows and admiring them. Yep. Um, but Easter People was the first amateur but listenable podcast yes. in the church that I had listened to. And so I was like, okay, we can do this. And so I sent Holly an email uh, because I, I've been faintly fascinated with the collects for a long time, but mostly because I ignored them. Um, and I was like, there's this little piece of text that I hear every single week, but I never really hear it. I sent Holly an email and said, let's try this for Easter. And she said, OK. And that's what we did. Awesome. So, yeah, it
0: was initially just supposed to be a seven-week Easter season.
1: Yeah, but then uh, Kyle wrote a review of it for Keyhall Online, um, saying really nice things about it. And he's been a booster of ours since the very beginning, You know, when people started talking to us on Twitter. So we just kept going.
2: Well, I think it's fantastic. And one of many things I, I like about your show is that usually when people are going on and on and sort of holding forth, they're um, clergy splaining. And <laughs> I, I think it's quite wonderful to, for everyone, to, for lay folks and clergy, to see um, folks um, lay splaining. <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> well, thank you. This has been fun to do.
1: I don't know what we're going to do once we hit the end of, once we hit Easter again. Cause we, yeah. I don't know. The prayer book's a big book. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll, well have to a, figure
0: something out.
2: There are all sorts of wonderful prayers in the, in the back, in the prayers and thanksgivings. Just del- fantastic prayers that no one knows about because when do you pray those? Never.
1: Right. Well, and there's a bunch of stuff um, in some of the burial um, offices as well. That uh, they're and there's those are just stuffed with collects. Um, yes, some of which are pretty interesting.
2: So you've got you've you're probably there must be at least three hundred collects in the prayer book.
0: Many of them are repeated, though. That's the interesting thing. Yeah, like we had talked about. I don't know, like the collect for Advent two is also the collect for the. A vocation in ministry, or whatever, you know, just like,
2: yeah.
1: So
0: we've, we've run into that a few times too,
1: but yeah, we accidentally I, recorded episodes about the same collect twice. Yeah. Um, but that's where the Amy Grant episode came from. Yeah. <laughs> that, um.
2: that was awful, by the way.
0: <laughs> we know.
2: Your episode was great, but I, I, I can't unsee that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm yeah. sorry for your loss. I'm ready, by the way. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, who's going first?
0: I can go first.
1: Okay.
0: W. C. Fields said, "It ain't what they call you; it's what you answer to." What do you answer to? Hashtag holy name.
2: Hmm. Good. So I'll I'll go and I'll tell you mine. I I didn't think I quite got the genre. Mine the. Uh, are a little, mine are a little too holy sounding, a little too prayer-ish. So you'll have to, uh, forgive me, I'll have to practice in future weeks to get better at it. But here's mine. <laughs> this is exactly 140 characters. Almighty God, cut away our fears and sins so that your son's most holy name might be our strength and our hope. Hashtag holy name. Hashtag feast day, o current. <laughs>
0: great hashtags
2: yeah nice, uh, nice
1: circumcision reference there yeah that was good look I got a cat hashtag cat disclaimer <laughs> okay here's mine no I'm not hungover I'm bowing at the name of Jesus <laughs> hashtag new year's day hashtag holy name
2: <laughs> that's awesome
0: <laughs> but also maybe that too uh,
1: yeah who, who can say
0: who can? <laughs> Jesus can say.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, if you would like to send us your tweets about New Year's Day or uh, the holy name or circumcision, uh, hashtag safe church, um, <laughs> you can uh, do that via Twitter at the Collect Call or send us an email at the Collect Call at acts8movement.org.
0: And you can find our parent organization on the interweb at axe8movement.org or on Facebook or Twitter at axe8movement. And Scott, where can uh, our listeners find you?
2: Well, you can find my blog, which has lots of contact info, at www7 org. Or if you're in a real hurry, you can go get there by www.7wd.org, the number 7wd.org, or on Twitter at At Scott A. Gunn. Well, thanks, Scott, for being with us again.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you uh, giving up both your Christmas Day and your New Year's Day to record
2: with us. Well, I'm I'm assuming I'm getting paid time and a half here, but it was great, great fun. Our
1: music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com.
0: And here's where I would be telling you what you could tune in for next week. But to be honest, Brendan and I need to put our heads together and decide. So um, come back next week for a collect of some sort and some banter between the two of us and possibly a guest.
1: Meantime, uh, Happy New Year and Merry Christmas.
3: Six-winged
2: seraph,
3: cherubim with sleepless eye, veil their faces to the presence, as with ceaseless voice they cry, Hallelujah,
0: Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Lord Most High.